Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. The Unitarian Church is a liberal, religious, multi-generational community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free-thinking, spiritual-questing individuals joined in common support and action. And we welcome diversity, pursue the common good, and work for justice. We believe in the compassion of the individual heart. We believe in the warmth of community. We believe in the search for meaning in our lives. We gather with gratitude this morning on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is an inheritance and a responsibility and an ongoing relationship. So may we be good neighbors to one another, no matter our background, race, color, or creed. May we be good stewards to our planet and good ancestors to our children. We also invite you to visit our membership table in the credenza that has lots of pamphlets and information. And you can also visit us on social media for more. May we be reminded here of our highest aspirations and inspired to bring our gifts and love and service to the altar of all humanity. May we know once again that we are not isolated beings, but are connected in mystery and miracle to the universe, to this community, and to each other. The opening words are by Mark Morrison Reed. The central task of religious community is to unveil the bonds that bind each to all. There is a connectedness, a relationship discovered amid the particular of our own lives and the lives of others. And once felt, it inspires us to act for love and justice. It is the church that assures us that we are not struggling for justice on our own, but as members of a larger community. The religious community is essential, for alone our vision is too narrow to see all that must be seen and our strength too limited to do all that must be done. Together, our vision widens and our strength is renewed. The chalice lighting words come from the Oberlin, Ohio Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. We light this chalice to find inner peace, love for each other, and faith in ourselves. Also, to be welcoming to whomever we meet and kind to all living creatures. So gather around this light of hope as we share this time together. Our first hymn this morning is In Your Order of Service, One Flame. I invite you to rise as you're willing and able and join in singing One Flame.
Each week we take an offering to support the work of this congregation because, as I've said many times before, this congregation belongs to you, its members. Literally. Literally. You own a piece of this building. So we need to support our own work, uh, not some grand higher authority. And so we take an offering each week. Some people contribute monthly, some by check, some by direct deposit. But we also share our abundance outside of our walls. We pick a different charity, some local, some national, there you go, knew there was a word, and some international, and we share one half of the unidentified collection that comes in each week. And so for this month, we have been collecting for Camp Firefly. Camp Firefly is a wonderful organization that provides a safe summer camp experience for LGBTQ plus S, asterisk, all those things. Kids who get to hang out with people who are like them, going through the same transitions, asking the same kinds of questions, finding support in their counselors, and having a grand old time. It is a very worthy organization we've supported for a long time. I invite you to give generously. I invite you to join in the hymn, or the 
two-line thingy written in your order of service for receiving the offering. Together we share the bliss we need. From you I receive, to you I give. Together we share, and by this we live. We thank you for your generosity. I have a reading today. It's actually a chalice lighting, but it fits very well with what I wanted to say. It's called Letting Go by Jay Wolin. Are we a people holding on or letting go? Holding on to rigid ideas or letting go and opening our minds and our hearts to something new? Holding on to certainty of how things should be or letting go and living with uncertainty of new ways of being in the world? Holding on to what makes us comfortable or letting go so we may grow which can be uncomfortable. Holding on to what makes us safe or letting go to make room to help others feel safe. Our chalice flame, the symbol of our religion, let it be a symbol of the burning up of the ties that hold us back from being our true self and reaching our true potential. Let it be a symbol of lighting a new way for us into a better tomorrow. And let it be a symbol of letting go because holding on too long and too tightly is never good for the soul. I'm not sure that we have ever sung hymn number 324 where my free spirit onward leads, but it is a very old traditional hymn. But because we've probably never done it before, I'm going to ask Karen to play it through once and then invite you to join in singing hymn number 324.
That was kind of pretty. Thank you, Karen. Our theme for this month, world from last weekend's Western Regional Fall Gathering, has been Towards a Thriving Future. Now, for the last two decades, I would have been planning that future with you. We've done that several times when the congregation engaged in strategic planning processes, almost always involving our current president, Karen Mills. I never led those activities. Future planning is the work of the congregation, not the minister. My role was only to advise, encourage, to voice my own opinion as an individual member, and ultimately, when decisions were made, to assist in implementation. You say where you wanted to go, and I did what I could to help you get there. Except not this time. Now, I am a big, noisy guy who has occasionally been told he speaks well. From time to time, I have been under the impression, or some have been under the impression, that I have been the leader and the lead decision maker. And in other types of religious groupings, that might have been true, but it's not true here. Still, the perception exists. When we moved into this space 16 years ago, I was congratulated by one member who said, well, you're finally getting your building. Oddly, that hurt a bit. You see, my former congregation, South Fraser in Surrey, B.C., had met in a rented community hall. The church office was a room in my home, and board meetings rotated around various people's houses. When I arrived at UCE's old church building, I was thrilled to have a place, an office, a desk in a real church building where I could hang my hat. I had no intention of going anywhere. It was never on my radar. Unlike some colleagues, I have never, ever had an edifice complex. We are in this building because of a strategic planning process that said we need a new home. And this community as a whole decided it was the right idea and this project suited them. You carried it off magnificently. Magnificently. Once that congregational decision had been made, I threw myself into, entirely into supporting the project because that was my job. And I am proud at what we have accomplished together. It turns out that this building was a more brilliant financial decision for us, much more than we ever imagined. If you were at the fall gathering Sunday service last week, you will have heard me boasting a bit on our behalf and suggesting that the decision you all made has helped us be financially stable. Now, this bit of history is just a preamble into the idea of reaching towards a thriving future. You are starting another cycle. It feels strange to me not to be part of the planning this time around, but that's the way it has to be. Starting in February, our roads will diverge. I am choosing another path for myself and my family. And again, as I noted last week, I am leaving the active ministry because I feel my time of leadership is done. 
There are other personal factors, too, that I'll be entirely too happy to bore anyone who asks with. However, one is that I would like to be gainfully employed for another five or seven years, and I figured looking for a job at 64 would be easier than at 65. Beyond that hope, I don't really know very much about what my future will be, but I do know a few things. I will remain in Edmonton. It has become my home. It is the city where my heart is. Go Eskimos! It is where my children were born and where they have their connections and their community. It is where I met my wife, and we are not leaving. Over the summer, I created my first resume, or portfolio, as I learned it's now called, for the first time in over two decades. I've even created a personal website, briankiley.ca, extolling my virtues for prospective employers. Apparently, that's the way you do it these days. Who knew? Although I'm open to almost anything in case you have suggestions or leads, I am primarily aiming my search at either the not-for-profit sector or municipal government. I would like a leadership role in some form, a place where I can exercise the skills that I have acquired or honed over my time at UCE, and I am actively searching now. In fact, I made my first application two days ago. As for my religious needs, I plan to attend Westwood and have already been told by the Reverend Ann Barker that I would be welcome there. Now, most of you will have heard this next part by now, but I still bump into members and friends of the congregation who are not aware of the protocols that restrict my future. When I leave, my professional association guidelines require that I really, really leave. And it is a policy with which I agree. I will not be here for special services or church dinners or the occasional preaching spot. When I'm gone, I'm gone, at least for quite a long time. Now, the reasons for this policy are good ones, and I support them. I have seen the ghosts of ministers past haunt new ministries and even destroy them. And that causes pain and disruption and expense for the congregation. And folks, I love this place too much to risk that. Former ministers can be specters, especially if they physically remain in the area. Even if we meet somewhere else at a theater or hockey game or something, it's hard for members not to bring up church business. Some of our older members have asked if I will be around for their memorials. After all, I've been their minister for a long time. And the short answer is no. I, as much as it pains me to say that, that privilege falls to my successor. Why? Well, for your next ministry to have a chance of success, you need to accept that person as the minister. And if I suddenly inject myself into congregational life in any way, it undermines this new ministry. And our national and continental associations have very, very good evidence that this detrimental effect is real. 
I have personal knowledge of an esteemed colleague inadvertently becoming embroiled in controversy. And it's not that this colleague meant to interfere. It was rather a case that this person was just larger than life. And the very presence of this person in the community after a three-year absence affected the new ministry that was getting started. Long-time members compared the new minister to the old. It did not turn out well. Comparison is natural, and it will happen anyway for a while. But my presence anywhere in the ongoing life of the congregation will make it worse. And I am suddenly reminded of an episode of Midsummer Murders I saw a couple of months ago where the old vicar never left. And the new vicar was so troubled that her new ideas weren't be accepted that, well, people died. <laughs> if you've ever watched Midsummer. I never want to live anywhere near Midsummer in England. It is a dangerous place to be. <laughs> anyway, the separation won't necessarily last forever. Once a new permanent minister is settled, she or he and I will probably have some conversations. And we may or may not work out an arrangement where I am invited to return. But even so, that won't be until sometime in late 2023 or 2024 at the earliest. There will be a lot of people who won't even know me by then. My friends, this is the best practice for the congregation going for, forward. Leaving is my path. Well, what about yours? In a newsletter piece earlier this year, the board offered a timeline for the transition of ministerial search, what, when, and who. And there are copies of it on the credenza if you're interested in reading it in detail. Next month, they will begin a series of after-service conversations for anyone in the congregation to talk with board members about going forward. To offer a short version, my last service will be January 26th. From February through the end of summer, the newly forming Sunday Services Committee will arrange your Sunday mornings. As part of saying goodbye well, or trying to say goodbye well, I helped to gather that Sunday Services team. They already have a great set of ideas and plans for those Sundays through the end of June. For July and August, they will follow the practice of summer services John Pater has managed so well for so many years. For next year, starting in September, you will probably have an interim minister. Now, this is a very specially trained colleague. First, they know that they're not staying. They are here for a contracted period only. In the lingo of interim ministry, they are pre-fired. Their focused mission is to help you through the transition, help you plan your future search, help point out and possibly correct any bad habits we may have developed over my tenure, and then leave. That gives them the freedom to speak the truth as they see it, if they see a need to speak that hard truth. Now, for congregations where ministries have lasted five years or more, the Unitarian Universalist Association recommends a two-year interim period. It may be one minister. It may be two, in each, one in each year. But they'll be on one-year contracts. And you won't really know that for some time. 
Now, interim ministers are chosen differently from settled ministers. In fact, it is a decision of the board, not the whole congregation, because it's only a one-year contract position. Now, this is a very clearly specified process within the denomination and a kind of denominational dating service. The board will be submitting information about this congregation and our needs to the UUA in the month of March. And then there's a month-long first-round window of dating from mid-April to mid-May when negotiations take place. And hopefully by the end of May, the board will be able to name that interim minister. And if needed, there is a second round of dating that ends in June. And that person will start in September. Then the fun begins. Roughly in December or January of next year, the congregation will choose a search committee. Generally, seven or eight people representative of various aspects of church life. Um, Leadership, RE, pastoral care, social justice, Sunday services, administration, a range of ages, a range of genders, a range of length of time in the congregation, trying to be as representative as possible. This committee will have the significant task of surveying all of you about your needs and desires for the next permanent ministry. There'll be lots of decisions to make along the way. They will also prepare a packet of material that will describe this congregation's life in great detail. Early in 2022, the committee will examine the packets of several possible candidates and narrow their interest down to two or three. Sorry, 2023, I beg your pardon. This done they will with a high degree this is done with a high degree of confidentiality for two very good reasons. The first is that the minister they're talking to may not have announced their departure from their congregation that they're presently serving. It could be a risky business to have to say, I quit and now I'm gonna go look for a job. Trust me, I know. So that person needs to be protected so there is confidentiality. But secondly, Presenting the entire congregations with several choices tends to breed divisiveness and controversy within the community. I'll come back to that in a minute. So the search committee reflects on their interviews and hopefully settles on a candidate, and the candidate accepts. Usually that is the outcome, but not always. If they do agree, there will be a candidating week in April of 2023 The minister will preach on two successive Sundays and in the meantime meet with every board, every committee, every small group of people, everyone. Um, Believe me, it is an exhausting week, but you need to get to know this person. After the second Sunday service, the minister leaves abruptly. The congregation holds a congregational meeting and takes a secret vote. If that goes well the new minister should be in place by September of 2023. Now, I mentioned that the search committee decides on only one candidate to present. And there is a proven risk that if several candidates are considered by all, well, one group will like candidate A, one group will like candidate B. It can create quite a split. Just look at our election last week. It can create quite a split before the ministry ever begins it can undermine it. In fact, few ministers will accept a call to a permanent settlement that's less than 90% of the members voting. Why? Well, when they begin work and inevitably do not live up to the fantasy expectations, 
it often occurs that a group that never wanted the minister organizes and successfully derails the whole deal within a year or two. And if that's 20% of the congregation, that's way too much. So they won't accept a call that's less than 90%. If two ministers were considered, there is a far higher likelihood that such a division would exist. It's sad, but that happens. So that's the roadmap. My fervent wish for this community is that all goes smoothly and according to plan, that you have a rich and meaningful interim period, that you find your common strengths through that search period, that you come together as a solid community, and that your search ends in a joyous celebration of what you have accomplished. And that is the service I will be at when you install your new minister. The work that you will do in the next couple of years is the work of creating your own thriving future. Participate as much as you are able. Trust your leaders and their decisions if you can't be that active. UCE has a really strong history of getting it right, a tradition of long and successful ministries. And you're part of that system. And system theory suggests that we tend to repeat the practices of the past. And if that's so, you're going to do just fine. Trust the process, keep talking, take care of each other. So, February 1st, we go our separate ways, each to an uncertain future. But I am an optimist, as I've said many times from this pulpit. I believe that I will find success, and I wish and believe that you will find success and a new strength and faith in yourselves as the vibrant community you have been for so very, very long. Amen. I'd like to invite you into a time of meditation and quiet reflection, starting by remaining seated and please singing hymn number 391, Voice Still and Small. You'll need to be listening to that in the next couple of years. Many of us carry a burden of worry, anxiety over the state of the world, worries about money, about our environment, our families, about peace and justice. May we trust that nothing will get worse for us putting that burden down for a moment. May we let go of what weighs us down. May we find that we can set down worry for longer and longer periods of time. In our experience of letting go, may we be open to the possibility 
uh, possibility that we need not pick those worries back up. May we find passion and strength to work for change where we all have the power to do so and to let go where we do not. If not forever, let us put down any worries or anxiety for our time of quiet. May we be in the quiet together. Closing hymn is number 322. Thanks be for these. Because we have to remember that part all the way through this. 322.
the chalice is extinguished, but its light lives on in the minds and the hearts and the souls of each one of you. So carry it with you when you leave this place and share it with those you know, with those you love, and most especially with those you've yet to meet. We have a tradition of joining hands and singing, Carry the Flame of Peace and Love, until we meet again.